Today's reading is from John chapter 7, verses 37 to 44. So John 7, 37 to 44. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Thanks, Gary. We're continuing our theme as we work through the Gospel of John. And I apologise, if you're new this morning, then I didn't introduce myself. My name is Daryl, and I'm the senior pastor here at this church. We have two other pastors. Pastor Charlie is on holidays. He has another eight days to go. Um, He returns tomorrow week uh, to work, so we trust he's having a good time. And we have a Chinese pastor, Cantonese speaking, but he's over both our Mandarin Cantonese services, is Pastor Alvin, and they meet down in the Activity Centre. And we have a pastoral search committee. We're also looking for another associate pastor, preferably in the area of children and families. Uh, And I have uh, a meeting tomorrow with someone who rang me and said they'd like to have a chat. So I'm very hopeful. We'll wait and see. Um, At the end of each message as well. We're going to take some time for both discussions. We certainly want to encourage that. There are some hard copies, and if you're a Connect Group leader, they would have been sent to you already. There are just four questions for you to contemplate, to think. If you'd like a hard copy copy of that, then uh, they're over there on the notice board if you would like to avail yourself of it. It's going to be interesting this morning because I don't have a PowerPoint to refer you to. And nine times out of ten, I work off the slides when I'm reading you the scriptures. So this is going to be different. This is very old school. Got to read from the Bible. (laughs) Let's pray. Thanks, Heavenly Father, that we have this opportunity to come together. And though, Lord, today is different in terms of not having words on screens, nonetheless, you're present and truth is still truth. Help us to hear, to listen, to evaluate, and to appropriate that which is for us. Lord, speak to us. Speak to each one of us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? I call this this, this title of this message, The Marvellous Invitation and the Wonderful Promise. When we come to John chapter 7, it's, John has uh, put together for us all sorts of opposing views about Jesus. It begins with even his own brothers. Jesus had four brothers that we know of, have their names. And they sort of didn't believe in him at this stage. They weren't sure what was going on. And at the beginning of this chapter, they may very well have been responding to the end of last week's 
message, John chapter 6, where a whole lot of people who were following Jesus suddenly stopped. They said, this is too hard. We're not doing this anymore. And Jesus said to the 12, will you also go away? And to which they said, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. After that, probably a few weeks, a few months, then the brothers said this, um, one of the festivals, the Jewish people have three festivals throughout the year. They have Passover, which is a, a huge one. That's our Easter that's followed 50 days later by one called Pentecost, that's the first fruits, and then they have one like six months after Passover, it's the harvest one, it's the tabernacles or booths, or that's this one. This is probably for the Jewish people one of their favourites, it's a bit like Christmas for us, it's where they had lots of joy and lots of celebration, it went for eight days and seven days they went through a similar process and on the eighth day was when everybody came together in Jerusalem, as many as possible. And it's on that day that Jesus stands up. Normally he spoke, taught, sitting down. But on this occasion he stood. He wanted to be visible to as many people as possible and to give this incredible, this marvellous invitation. The invitation is in verse 37, which is where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. And 38 and 39, that's where the message is going to primarily focus. Um, So it's the last day of the feast. These people have been together celebrating and in the midst of the Pharisees are actually got a hit squad out on Jesus and they've sent servants to arrest him and uh, they come back and they haven't arrested him and they just were so impressed by his speaking by his teaching they'd never heard anything like it so they didn't want to arrest him Pharisee leaders got a bit upset about that and so they're plotting and planning and the crowds are divided he's the prophet He's the Messiah. Can't be the Messiah. He's from Galilee. Messiah doesn't come from Galilee. Messiah comes from Bethlehem. They don't know the background story. And so the Bible says that they were divided about him. That's not something we often think of Jesus about, is it? That Jesus brings division. Jesus, in fact, said that he came uh, not to unite everybody, but he came with a sword. He came to divide people. He came to set, Jesus says, you know, parents against kids and kids against friends and neighbours against each other. What's he talking about? He's talking about allegiance to him. He came to encourage people to be completely loyal and give him their allegiance. And that, by its very token, would separate them from other friends and so on. That still happens today. When you start to follow Jesus for the very first time, if you grew up in a non-Christian family, I did and some of you would have, uh, then your parents don't understand. In our Muslim community, if you start to follow Jesus, then you could be rejected, disinherited. As far as they're concerned, you're dead to them because you follow Jesus. So Jesus comes to bring this division, this change of allegiance, and he is uncompromising about it. And so on this occasion, at the end of this feast, where everybody has had seven days of partying, Jesus stands up and he says in verse 37, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Thirsty. Is anyone thirsty? Every day for seven days, the priests had gone um, from the temple down to the pool of Siloam and they have this big golden jug and they dip it in the pool of Siloam and they carry it back amongst the blaring of trumpets in a, a whole procession. When they get to the temple, they pour it out on the altar every day for seven days and they celebrate. 
They dance together, they eat together, they rejoice. This was a reenactment, if you like. It was a reminder that Tabernacles was um, the feast, was a reminder of the Jewish people coming out of Egypt, their time in the wilderness where God fed them with manna and where they drank water from the rock. Remember that story? Where the people were thirsty and uh, Moses goes to the rock and he strikes the rock and the water comes out. It's the reenactment of that, this water being poured out. It's a reminder that uh, God was with his people then, he protected them. But it's also a harvest festival, so it's rejoicing at the end of the year's labour, but it's also looking forward to the very bright future when they would enter the golden age, when the Messiah would be the king in Jerusalem. So it was this in-between thing that was going on. And Jesus takes this opportunity with many, many tens of thousands of people now in Jerusalem. And the opposition to him is rising. And he stands up boldly and bravely in the midst of the crowd and says, if you're thirsty, you've just had a week of partying, if that hasn't satisfied you, if you're still thirsty for more, then come to me and drink. That's the amazing invitation. Um, and John goes on, or Jesus goes on to explain it, verse 38, whoever believes in me, that's what it means to come to him and to drink, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will well up within you and will overflow from you. If you're thirsty, come to Jesus, appropriate him to yourself, accept him, receive him, drink. And that which you lack, thirst, will be replaced by an abundance, both internally, personally for you, but also flowing out to bless and help others. That's the marvellous invitation and the absolutely amazing promise. So this is the last day of the feast and Jesus says to the people, is that it? Is there nothing else? I thought there'd be more. I'd like to have more. Let me just work through verse 37. I've got about five things I want to say just quickly to it. If you're looking it up on your phone, that would be helpful. Jesus says, let anyone, anyone. The invitation is open. There are no limitations. It's for all. I'm so glad it doesn't have a name there. If my name was there, then yours wouldn't be. And even if my name was there, I wouldn't know it was me. You ever looked up your telephone book to see how many of you there are in the telephone book? I've done that. In Sydney, when we lived down there, <clears throat> the state of the mighty blues, everybody say amen. It's <laughs> supposed to be discerning. Looked up my name in the telephone book, there are 20 D.W. Evanses. 20. Yes, the Lord, when he provides, provides abundantly, doesn't he? <laughs> you look up your name, I'm sure there'll be a supply of them too. I found out that there is a Daryl W. Evans, spelt the same way. If you're wondering what the W stands for, it's wonderful. <laughs> Daryl Wonderful Evans. I'll pay for that when I get home. Is a criminal in WA. 
Have I ever been to WA? Just once. I had to leave because the police were after me. No, it wasn't, it wasn't me. I went to get a gun licence when I was in a small country town and I wasn't allowed to get a gun licence. Why? Because they thought it was me. They thought I was him in WA. Interesting, isn't it? So I'm glad our names are not there. Let anyone, anyone, that includes you, that includes me. It's without limitations. And it's Jesus inviting even all the people who are opposed to him, his enemies. If they came to him and drank, if they believed in him and received him, there would be this transformation of their life. It's a wonderful thing. And at the book, at the end of the book, book of Revelation, this would have been on the screen. It says, the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit, Holy Spirit, and the bride, that's us, the church, come. Let anyone who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost, come. It's a marvellous invitation. Does it resonate for you this morning? Is that describing you? Are you thirsty? Are you satisfied? Is there more to life than what you're experiencing? It's got to be. I dare say that not one of us would be able to say, no, I'm nailing it and life couldn't be better. Life can be sweet, life can be good. But there's got to be more. And Jesus is offering us more. Well, it's open to all, anyone. Let anyone who is thirsty. That's the qualification. You've got to be thirsty. Have you ever been thirsty? Now, because of my blood pressure, the medication I get, I get a thing called dry mouth, which is why I have to keep sucking water. Nothing has changed or fixed it for me. There's nothing worse. If I don't drink water, then what I find happening is my tongue swells, sticks to the roof of my mouth, and then it's painful to actually get it off and to toy and talk. <laughs> it's what happens to you. We can't live without water. You can live with hunger pains for a while, a few days, but you won't without, with a thirst. It's, it'll drive you insane. You need water, which is what Jesus is saying here. If anyone is desperate, if anyone is deeply longing for meaning and happiness and joy in life, come to me, Jesus says, and drink. To thirst is have this intense longing. I must have it. It's the most powerful of all human sensations. In fact, one commentator says, no one has ever come to Jesus, no one has ever been converted to follow the Lord Jesus until they were thirsty. There's a recognition of a need that something important is missing and I need it. In this case, it's water to quench my physical thirst, but there is a thirst of the soul. And that's what he's talking about. Notice the Lord Jesus doesn't say, if anyone is thirsty for the right thing. If anyone is thirsty for God, he doesn't even say that. If you're thirsty for righteousness, he just says, if you're thirsty... If you are not satisfied in life, if there's something missing in your life, there's a void, come to him. That's why it's a marvellous invitation. The only person who was excluded from this invitation would be the person who would declare themselves to be completely and utterly satisfied. They don't need to come. They've already got it. But if you feel, if you've even got an inkling, there's more to life, there's more joy there's more satisfaction to be had in this life, here and now. And that's what Jesus is offering us. Come. 
come. It's not limited. It's not restricted. You're just thirsty for more. And it could very well be thirsty for him, but it could be thirsty for something else. Blaise Pascal said, all people, all men seek happiness. And this is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. All men seek happiness. Um, the will never takes a step unless it is to this objective, he writes. This is the motive of every action of every person, even of those who hang themselves. We want to be happy. That's the driving motivation behind all we do, Pascal says. One other uh, philosopher or thinker writes, while we do all different sorts of things in our lives, the thirsts that we have are common to the human soul. The same thirst drives us in different directions because we have different personalities and different gifts and different interests and all of that. Why do some people spend money and they get great joy out of it, whereas other people save money and they get great joy out of it? Why do some people look for risky, dangerous things to do and that gives them great joy, whereas other people avoid it? It's the same motivation. This desire for more, this desire for happiness, this deep inner peace. And Jesus is saying, amazingly, he has it and he can give it to you. You just need to come to him, he says. If anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. He doesn't say, keep digging, keep trying. He doesn't say, come join the church. He doesn't say, get baptised. He doesn't say, take communion or any of these other things. He doesn't say, clean up your life. He just says, come to me. It's this personal one-on-one coming to him, this personal relationship it's not about being religious, it's about being connected with him personally. To come to Jesus, as he explains it, is to believe in him. That's what he goes on to say in verse 38 and verse 39. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will well up within. To come to Jesus is quite easy. I mow our lawn and on a hot summer's day or a hot day, Often, Rhonda will come out with a nice cool glass of water and she'll beckon to me. She'll say, come and drink. (laughs) How do I do it? Well, my brain engages, directs my will, and I take a step. I think, I choose, I go. Same. How do you come to Jesus? You think. You choose, you come. You're not coming physically, you're coming relationally, emotionally, mentally. You're coming to him with your will and receiving him, drinking from him. A river flowing in a desert is of no value to you until you go to it and drink of it. So too with Jesus. Come to him, come as you are. You don't have to clean up. The only qualification is, as I've been saying, thirsty. And it's a bit like if Rhonda's calling me with a glass of water, she would say, whoever drinks from this glass will thirst again. But if you drink from the Lord Jesus, you'll never thirst. My wife's like that. 
If I go to her, then I'm turning my back on other things. I'm choosing. I'm changing. That's what it means to come to Jesus. Come as you are. Abandon all confidence in your self-help programs and just come empty-handed to him and say, Lord, I'm thirsty. Can you meet this need in my life? What's your need? The most important need you have is a spiritual need, your relationship with him and forgiveness for your sins and eternal life. That's the most important. That's the big one. It's not the only one. Well, Jesus is not limiting it to the big one. He's just open invitation. Are you thirsty? What are you thirsty for? Come to me, to him. That's why it's a marvellous invitation. It's an incredible claim. He thinks he can satisfy the thirst of anyone and everyone. He has the resources within himself to be able to do that. Who is he? Oh, we know the answer, don't we? He is God in the flesh. Come, drink, believe. And then Jesus says, the response to your thirst, acknowledging it, owning it, and coming to him and presenting it, he satisfies it with an overabundance of living water, flowing fresh water, in two dimensions, both within, that's personally, and then overflowing to others, that's outward. So within and outward. You want to have an influence on people? Get to know Jesus. Get full of what he's got inside of him. Become more like him and fill up. And then it's the overflow of your life, touching others' lives. How do I get full up? I guess I, this, this invitation, this verse and promise both can be convicting. Who of us, as we follow the Lord Jesus, could say that, yep, that's my life. I am completely full. I'm abundantly satisfied. I couldn't be any closer to him than anything else. I don't think there's anybody who can testify that. And partly because, as Calvin says, we still carry around indwelling sin and we are imperfect. So, Therefore, it's not a one-off event. This is a daily pattern. This is something for us to be doing all the time. It's to, Scripture says, Galatians chapter 5, that we are to live in the Spirit and we are to walk in the Spirit, one step at a time. One activity, one event, one situation at a time. Filled and controlled by him. As you go to work, whatever meeting you're going into, whatever conversation you're about to have, whatever activity you're about to engage in, pray. Lord, take control of my life. Fill me with yourself. Confess any sin, whatever. Let nothing hinder him operating through you to use you in that situation. In every dimension of life, that's what Jesus is inviting us to do. Because it's the above-us God of the Old Testament and the with-us God in the person of Jesus in the Gospel wants to be the in-us God of the New Testament. The Holy Spirit living within. He was with them, but he hadn't yet been given. That would happen at Pentecost after the Lord Jesus died, rose and went back to heaven. Jesus inviting us, those of us who say we're thirsty, to come to him. And all that he has within him, he will impart to you. 
And if you stop and think about, what did Jesus have in him? What was it like for him? Now, you can only imagine, guess. But he must have had this overwhelming, close sense of the Father's presence with him all the time. All the time. I said to Rhonda during the week, just imagine those three guys, you know, in the book of Daniel, who got thrown into the big fiery furnace. And they committed their resolute, we're not going to bow down to your idols, we will not. God can deliver us, and if he doesn't, still not going to bow down, we're going to obey God, they get thrown in. What do they feel like in their hearts in here? can only imagine, because we're not told. They're in the midst of the flames, this furnace... And the Son of God is with them. There's now four of them in there. And they're not still, they're walking around. And they're not being burnt. There's no smell of smoke on them even. They're not harmed. They're completely protected. What joy, what satisfaction, what thrill they must have had pumping in their hearts right then and there. I imagine. And then they get out of it and they're delivered miraculously, incredibly. Well, Jesus was like that, I imagine, all the time. And that's what he's offering to you. Do you want a deeper, more satisfying relationship with him? Then by his death, by his resurrection and by his ascension, he imparts to us his spirit, that which was in him, to us, now in us. And as we submit to him, he takes control and we become more like him. And we experience the joy and the satisfaction that he had. We get glimpses, don't we? But he's saying, come, drink, enjoy. I wonder why it is that we come so little, why we get distracted by all other sorts of worldly entertainments and things when so much is offered for us right here. So let me ask you, how thirsty are you? How thirsty for him? But how thirsty are you for this deep, calm, happy life? Come. The vision of our church, part of it is that we would be a church, a group of people who are committed to God every day. Every day. Not just Sunday. Every day. Committed. Closely connected with him. That's what he wants. And that's the essence of normal Christianity. This is not Green Beret Christianity. This is not... Supernatural, super spiritual Christianity. This is normal, everyday Christianity. Watchman Nee wrote a book and he called it that, The Normal Christian Life. And the normal Christian life is one that is filled with this, the life filled with the Spirit of God and his fruit coming forth in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of those attributes that were in the Lord Jesus can be in us. And the Lord Jesus promises us, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. And when he says another one, he means another one who is just like me. That's what the Greek word means. Another one, just like that one. If I had an ice cream and I'm licking it and I dropped it and I said, I want another one, I want another one exactly like that one, I want the same flavour, the same texture, it's the same. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another helper, advocate, counsellor, and he'll be with you forever. That's the spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive 
but you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. If you follow the Lord Jesus, you have the spirit of God living in you and he wants to fill you. What do you have to do to be filled? Nothing. Really? Yeah. The command is passive. Be filled with the spirit. He wants to fill you. He wants to give you these joy and gifts, things, experiences. What you have to do is let him. Don't hinder him. How do I hinder him? Well, when I take control of my life and when I choose to do sin or when I say an inappropriate thing or when I think an inappropriate thing or that hinders him, that quenches him. But if I confess those things, then automatically he will feel. Let the Holy Spirit fill you is the command. And then we have to walk by the Spirit. So this is a habitual thing and something for us to do. And I don't know what the answer is to why are we so content to receive so little when the Lord Jesus is offering us so much. And like I said, there are two things. We come to him if you're thirsty and drink, believe, receive, accept him, appropriate him to your life. Then there are these two consequences. Firstly, you'll find yourself deeply satisfied in him. Secondly, you'll be a source of blessing to others. Deeply satisfied in him personally. There are two seas in the promised land, land of Israel. There is the Sea of Galilee up north and there is the Dead Sea down south. What's the difference between them? That one's alive and full of plants and fish, surrounded by plants and grasses and abundance of fish within it. The one down here is dead. There's no fish in it. There's no greenery around it. There's no trees. It's a wilderness. Why? Well, because the Jordan River comes north of the Sea of Galilee, flows into it and flows out of it. That which the, the Sea of Galilee receives it passes on and it's replenished it's full alive, fresh the Dead Sea the Jordan River flows down and goes into the Dead Sea but doesn't flow out everything that flows in stays there evaporates off leaving salt deposits increasingly salty, Dead Sea there's an analogy for us that which Jesus gives to us, if we pass it on to others, he replenishes and replaces it. You can never outgive him. But if we hang on to it and hold it to ourselves, we'll become dead, dull, lifeless. God is a generous God and he wants us to be generous. And that which we receive, we are to pass on. And so firstly, don't, it's not just about passing it on. It's firstly enjoying it, finding deep satisfaction in him. And then... Overflowing, passing it on to others. Time is gone. Let me finish by saying this. The Lord Jesus on the cross, many dimensions and aspects to Jesus on the cross. He took our sins, he carried away our guilt, he lifted our burdens. On the cross, the Lord Jesus said, I thirst. He meant physically. I thirst. But I just think it's interesting. On the cross, he took our sin. On the cross, he took your thirst. He took your thirst so that you could have his abundant life. 
The thirst of our lives became his so that the fountain of his life could become ours. That's what he plans and desires for us. So let me invite you this morning as we close to evaluate honestly your experience with Jesus. Do you want more? You're thirsty? And what do you need to do? Come to him. Every day. Humbly. Honestly. Openly. And he will meet with you and bless you. Are you experiencing this welling up within you? Are you overflowing and impacting others? And if not, why not? And on the question sheets, there are five possibilities. Have a look at it. We're going to close. I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we're going to conclude our service. And then we're going to go for morning tea. We still have a good 10, 12 minutes before kids' church finishes. So you have the opportunity for a cup of tea or a biscuit or a chat. Or maybe you'd like to grab one of those questions and chat with each other. Or you might like someone to pray for you. We can do all of that. Let's bow together. Lord Jesus, thank you for this marvellous invitation. Open to all of us. Help us, Lord, to discern, to evaluate, to be honest with you, how thirsty are we? Thank you for the invitation, Lord, that we can come to you and you can satisfy and replace that which we lack. We ask you to do that, Lord. Draw us to yourself and help us to keep coming to you each day this week into each of the situations we go into. Have your way and your will in each of our lives. And Lord, go before us into the next 10 minutes, next half hour in all of our conversations, into our day, whether we're having lunch or whatever we're doing. Help us to walk with you step by step. We ask and pray this in your wonderful name. And everybody said, God bless everybody. Please be seated. Do your own evaluation, analysis where you're at.